Hi, friends. Thanks for tuning into this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom. I am fresh back from Boulder, Utah, where this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was co-leading the uh, Spirit Dive Retreat with my partner, East Forest. That's our fourth time down there, co-leading that retreat together. And it's just always super special and really grounding and realigning and recharging. And I'm very grateful to all of our guests who came out to join us for a few days of hiking and music and ceremony and yoga and meditation and connection. And um, yeah, it was just everything I could have hoped for. It was really, really wonderful. Grateful, so grateful to East Forest for always planning this retreat with me. He's just such a big help. And of course, his music is such a great asset to any kind of experience like that. And this podcast that you're about to listen to, we recorded while we were down there one afternoon. We took some folks back out from a hike. Uh, Other folks stayed and went hiking further on their like, you know, 10 mile adventure down into the canyon, into the Grand Staircase National Monument. And, uh, Some of us went back and we had a wood-fired sauna and chilled out and set up uh, the East Forest music in what we call the Siloon so he could play songs from his East Forest Ram Dass album. And we took a couple songs and then we would have a discussion with some members of our group and use the songs as kind of like a launching off point for getting a little bit deeper into some of the content that Ram Das brings up in the songs like We Are Truth or Love Everyone or Tell the Truth or just even like what this human experience is all about and what it means to be alive and how do we do our best as we're walking our walk through the world. And uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time to open up that discussion to the members of our group, some of them, and then also to hear the music played live, always just the best treat. It feels so good. And um, I'm really, really grateful for that. So that's what you're about to hear in this podcast, just recorded this weekend. And um, yeah, we will probably do another spirit dive down in Boulder, Utah, not Boulder, Colorado next year. So stay tuned for those dates if you're interested in joining us. Otherwise, you can, you know, continue to follow us like you do. We don't have any retreats planned yet coming up for the new year besides my trip to Australia in February to lead, co-lead a teacher training with my YTT partner, Naomi, down at a space called Inner Space Yoga outside of Sydney. And, oh, well, I guess we have Esalen. So Krishna and I, East Forest and I will be leading a spirit dive retreat at Esalen in May, like around May 29th, that Memorial weekend. We'll be there. So if you're curious and interested in joining us on one of these special trips, there's always that. And if you're in Boise, I've got a really special class coming up. I think it's October 29th. It's a Tuesday and it'll be in the evening. And it's with a dear, dear, dear friend, Kevin Paris. Kevin Paris is um, just an angel of a being and a gorgeous singer songwriter. And he comes usually once a year. He's been coming, gosh, for probably about the past five years now. Seems like once a year to play a special class for me. So I'll lead 
like a slow flow vinyasa and Kevin will play live during that. So if you're in Boise or around October 29th, that's coming up. And that's about it. I hope you enjoy this podcast and enjoy the music and we'll catch you next time. And so I thought I'd kick it off just by like, you know, the music's a fun way to get that conversation started. And something we did at Esalen was play some of the Ram Dass stuff because there's some actual like ideas in there versus just like a feeling from music itself as a way of kickstarting that. Does that sound good? Yeah. So see the first one I'm going to play is one called Mind Karma. What do you have to say to prep that for me, Radha? Why well, see if I can find this in here? Well, listen to the song Mind Karma, which if you're familiar with the album, you've probably heard. And one of the key phrases in there is, your karma is your mind. And so I, 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 um, it's a really meaty statement, I think. It has multiple layers. And, um, of course, there's this whole idea of karma, which is a, a Sanskrit word. Maybe everyone doesn't know what karma means to um, in Sanskrit, but it's basically the cause of, or the law of cause and effect. And so your karma is your mind. It's like your mind is a result of the things that you've done or the way that you are or things that have happened to you or what you put out into the world is the way that I think about it, which then goes pretty deep for me. Yeah, and apparently Ram Dass has never used that phrase before. Like It was just something that came up in the moment, so it was kind of like this new idea, and it's just very meaty. But why don't we just play it first, and then we can see what you think about it. This one I'm not going to do live. I'm just going to play it, and it has Trevor Hall on here as well. Our karma is our mind. And the mind stands in the way.
reincarnation has in it individuality. Individualism leads to war and anger and insecurity and fear. Sheila Bringy on the Bansuri flute. And that one, um, what's kind of cool is that the flute to me represents the thoughts in your mind. And Trevor Hall's mantra and stuff sort of is like the witness watching it. And so I was trying to represent kind of what he's talking about a little bit or give it a musical reference. But I like that idea of, I mean, he talks about that over and over again, that the, the filter we see the world through our mind, our thoughts, uh, is sort of like the thing that you have to work through that filter in essence to see more clearly. But the idea that that's your karma is really cool. So when you hear that, uh, it's a meaty idea. You can, you can take that to mean a lot of different things. 
what comes up for you? Is it like a question? Is it confusing? Or is it like, actually it makes me think about this? Or, or how it even relates to what's been going on for us the last couple of days as we've been out here on the land and out here at the retreat. The idea that our mind is our limit. We limit ourselves. We are our only limit. Um, and our karma is linked to that because of the energy that follows thought. So there's a way to alchemize, which is kind of what this weekend has been about in terms of knowing how to shift the thought and change the energy and then shift the karma. I don't know. That's an, that's an idea that I've been thinking about and brewing with. Can you change your karma? Can you make a shift? Have you ever made a shift before? Yes, absolutely. Okay. But, and, I, and I totally um, resonate with the idea that my mind is my karma. I'm an air sign. I have the, air, the element of air, so I'm very much intellectually driven and logical, and I have thoughts brewing all of the time, and I recognize that that's also holding me back mm-hmm. and keeping me from the openness that, um, that I'm seeking and release. One of my teachers uh, in India, Gurudev, he said, and this really resonated with me so profoundly, he said, man minus mind equals God. Man minus mind equals God. I heard this story, remembering of, um, it was like a study or something, maybe I heard on NPR. It was like some guy, for some reason, he didn't have language, okay? I don't know if he was like a condition or if it was like how he's born or some strange thing, but he didn't have language. Meaning they, they, they were like in a room and they're trying to say like, this is a cup. And not like this, this, the word for this is cup, like, but there's, you can use, you know, even like the idea of object and subject. Mm-hmm. And so th- he was in that space and that was viewed as a problem. So they worked for a couple of weeks to create his brain, all those synapses had to connect. And slowly he started to do that. Um, but first off, he was apparently in, it's, it's a very, it's sort of like a nothingness space, but it was peaceful. He was just kind of, he was just, he wasn't distressed. Well, the, like Ramdas says in the song, individualism. Yeah, well, he didn't have it. And yeah, so he slowly started to get it over those days. And then in two weeks later, I guess all of a sudden he had the thoughts now and he could understand, wait, I'm this, a cup is that. And it all started to come, and then the monologue comes, which is our thoughts. He didn't have it before. And it's, we're so used to having the, the monologue running in our, our mind, our mind being the mind, that that distancing from it, you don't even know that there could be a distance from it. But then the Ramdas keeps talking about when we were doing uh, these re- recordings about the idea of the witness, meaning there's a part of you, the fact that we can even talk about the idea that we have thoughts, or that we have an other and have that self-awareness. And when you can think, it was like, well, who's thinking about the thoughts? I mean, Well, I think that it's because we identify with the thoughts when right. we can remove exactly. ourselves from the identity behind the thought and just watch. I think Ram Dass talks about letting it be passing show. Watch yeah. it. He says, your mind stands in the way of a clear view of God. 
And so your mind is the vehicle which is creating the sense of separation and individualism, subject, object, like we've mentioned. And the more that you're in that space, the more, and the mind serves a function. It's not like we're supposed to get rid of the mind. The mind is there for a purpose and we have one for a reason, but it is the question of who's running the show. And, uh, you can certainly start to have practices where the mind feels separate. The mind is a... Then your identified sense of self. A wonderful servant, a terrible master. Right. He often says that. Anybody else want to share anything about mind karma? Karma of the mind? I think for me, um, you know, what I like to think about is in your song, um, when you're talking about becoming friends with your ego and your partner, you know, you're, you're no longer fighting that. Oh, grandmother's fear. Yeah. 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 That phrase always, always sticks with me. Um, so yeah, like kind of identifying the ego or the karma and, and letting it be your teacher in a sense. Mm -hmm. I guess Ramdas would call that grist for the mill, sort of like, oh yeah, all the stuff that comes up. Yeah, I also think of like my mind as my filter mechanism. Like it's the thing that I'm, that my perception is coming through. And so depending on where my mind is, like if my mind is judgmental outwards at other people, you know, for whatever reason, I've noticed that I'm also then carrying more judgments against myself, that it's actually this two-way street. And the more judgmental against myself I might be, the more judgmental I am outward. And then that's creating my experience of, what reality is. And then when I can drop judgment really inside and outside, then am I in this like oneness, God, peaceful space. How do you do that? How, How do, do I do, do it? I mean, yeah. I, uh, I try not to carry judgment and I recognize when I am doing it. I'm not very judgmental against myself. I think I have, I'm very grateful that I'm not. I know a lot of people struggle with, um, negative self-image and negative self-talk. And I really don't have a lot of that. And so then when it arises, I'm like, whoa, what is that? Because it's weird and different. And then I think I'm fairly not too judgmental against others outwardly. And where that comes from or how that's done is, I think, practice over time. The voices internally just start to quiet so they don't even arise. I don't know if that's helpful or not. Sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. But in that space of non-judgment, I know I'm in my most peaceful state and peace for me is the feeling that's closest to source. Yeah, Oneness, we were God. talking about the other day about peace being almost like a more powerful vibration or word than love even. It's kind of like that perfect equanimity that like loves inside peace in a sense. Yeah. Cool. Let's do another. Um, I want to try doing Love Everybody, which is the last track on the record. And uh, Rod, I want you to say a little bit about Maharaji and Love Everybody while I get this dialed. Maharaji is Neem Karoli Baba or Ramdas's guru we met when he went to India. And um, then subsequently he brought many other, Ram Das brought many other uh, students over to meet Maharaji. And he was a great being in the sense that he 
was likened to Christ consciousness or even like an embodiment of Hanuman, who's a servant of Ram. Ram is God in the Hindu mythology. And he didn't give any teachings. He wasn't like a guru that you would go to that would give a lot of darshan and talking or even like energy transmissions or whatever. He had pretty much two teachings, which was love everyone and tell the truth. And so whenever his students would ask for like a special technique or a meditation or how do I do this or that, he would just say, and he would say, feed people, feed people, love everyone, tell the truth. And he kept it pretty simple. And him as a guru and a teacher was more about really his presence and the unconditional love that he had all the time. in my second visit to India. Took me aside and said to me, Ramdas, love everybody. And I said, I can't. My mind is full of judgments. He said, Randas, love everybody. Tell the truth. And those instructions have been my guide to my sadhana. Sadhana has led to my soul. And souls love each other and tell the truth.
Raji and my second visit to India. Took me aside. Okay. So we were just talking about this before about telling the truth. And it, I mean, it's a simple idea, uh, but it's sort of a multi layered thing about telling the truth to others, but telling the truth to yourself. And also, it's like telling your truth, the truth to yourself, even internally, you know, that, that conversation you have with your mind your soul with your mind and yourself. And then when I was on Aubrey's podcast, he's saying telling the truth and loving someone, it's the same thing. So like you can't have one without the other. That was kind of blowing my mind. What, what, what comes up? We're just having a discussion to kind of share some things from our weekend with, with the greater world out there. We're recording it. <laughs> Yeah, but what comes up from that song, Jared? So uh, it's on. It's, it's on. Okay. So my question is, how do you know what truth is? I don't know if we've covered that yet. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Like truth with a capital T. Is there is there such a well, thing? There yeah. is. There are ultimate truths, and then there's kind of like knowledge, which is perhaps different than truth, and then there's like honesty, I guess, which is layered in with truth. And how do you know what is true? How do you know which is the mind? And then what is true? Right, exactly. And the, I look towards, I guess, my heart and my intuitive sense for like a deeper understanding of truth. But sometimes it's basic, like, that's not true. That's a lie. We know that that's not true. And then there's just distortions or perceptual, like, 
you think something's one way and then it's not. Have you ever had that experience when you were so certain something was true and then you find out it wasn't true? I love that moment when I realized I was totally, totally, totally wrong. And I might have had this thing for like a belief about something small or big or whatever for a long time. And then when I get proven wrong, I'm like, wow, anything's possible. Anything's possible. It feels yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Or what else? We can cre- treat the microphone like a talking stick and that way we won't accidentally be in a wonderful talking over each other conversation. What no do you think truth is, Jared? Do you want to answer that question? Yeah, that's um, definitely a very multifaceted, I think, question. There's, um, I was thinking of it in the sense of honesty, mostly, but then there's, um, you know, like when you clear away all of the perceptions that you have and all the lenses that you see things through, you know, that I guess that to me is truth, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's hard to actually find that, uh, it's hard to kind of get rid of all the mental distortions and all of the, uh, you know, stories in your head mm-hmm. and actually get at what is true. So uh, like... He has a clue in his song where he says, my mind is full of judgments, so I can't. Hmm. I can't love everybody and I can't tell the truth. So that's a clue right there that when I'm judging, I'm not in my place of internal truth because now I'm separate than and I'm saying that this is good and this is bad versus it just is. And so it just in the act of judging, you've entered non-truth space internally is something that comes up for me. Right. And that's what came up for me too, is like the idea of always telling the truth. And if it's like, if you have a judgment, that's helps to clarify. Cause if it's like, Oh, I don't like this person. Should you just say, say is that, that to person face, bad? To is that true? Or, no. Yeah. That because you don't like them, they are bad. You've just put that on them. They are just right. them. One of the great teachings of Ram Dass too is this idea that we kind of are co-conspirators to pretend like I'll pretend that you're you and your persona and you pretend that I'm me and my persona. And in that way, we can go along being our personas versus being really direct and truthful to each other. And he says in one of his talks, something like, I want to have a friendship or relationships where you can tell me your truth. And if I have a problem with it, that's my issue to deal with. And so in relationship, that's an invitation, like always tell me your truth. If I get upset, that's me. And I'm going to deal with that, which I think is fantastic that idea i want to have relationships like that because then you're knowing that you're owning your own stuff and your own triggers too if you get triggered because of somebody it's not actually that somebody it's you and so it's like ooh, what's that opportunity there to work on why did i just get so upset anything else come up for anybody anything at all i mean it could be something unrelated actually that it triggers your mind or like an idea i'm also kind of interested in how that relates to this weekend like if something that's come up personally or in discussion or there's like an echo of that somehow even metaphorically to what we've been doing or an experience you've had yeah i think through connection we've been with so many people that we don't know with so many people that have just come together and through expression and through touch and through um visual sharing of who we are with one another we are in some ways uncovering our own truth Sometimes to um, get that checkpoint with other people, sometimes not um, 
the ones that keep you locked into a dynamic that sometimes we don't recognize our own truth because we're limiting ourselves and we've told ourselves the same stories over and over and over again. And so we actually think it is our truth. But to meet um, on a different level, in a different space, in a different um, in a different way, and talk and share and experience sometimes an underlying vibrational um, it doesn't even have to be words. It can just be the, re the removing of masks like you spoke about, Radha, um, the other day. Does that feel abstract? I like, no, I like the idea <laughs> that in some ways to tell the truth is just about energy in a sense, right? It's not about maybe anything you even have to say. On the deeper level, it's just the present moment being fully present, like fully witnessing what is in front of me. So in some ways, like the past and the future is a lie. And when my mind goes to those two things, it takes me out of the present. I'm not telling the truth in a way through my beingness. Yeah, it reminds me of Ram Dass's Be Here Now. There's a page where it speaks about the energy exchange on a soul level. It has nothing to do with the musculature on your face. It has nothing to do with how you speak or what even your face looks like. But the, the soul knows. The soul understands the energy, the vibration. And for me, it's kind of dropping into the question, am I in a high vibration or am I in a low vibration in this conversation, in my expression, in what I'm feeling? What's the underlying essence that's being received and given, removing the thoughts and the logic and the the mask. Yeah, it takes vulnerability, right? And self-awareness, because sometimes you get into a state of grumpiness or anger, and then you're like, oh, wait a second, I'm actually hungry. That's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Self-knowledge. It's not you, I'm hungry. The machine of the animal. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, and just even checking in with that, because so much, so often it's a projection hour. I don't feel good. Whose fault is it? Where is it coming from? Versus like, oh, it's just my body. I need to rest. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of like Court's 10 Laws, the 10 Laws song. It's sort of about where your feet hit the ground and like, okay, if I take care of these things, the rest usually will be a lot more easily done. But without, for instance, you know, the very, very basics, things like that. And that relates to your vibration too. Yeah, but vibration is a term that like for me personally, I don't always know what that means. And so it's like, I'm trying to like figure out like, well, how do I, you know, I, I know the metaphor of it, I suppose, what that feeling feels like in me. Um, but I'm always like searching for ways to kind of translate it in my own head into action. I guess it's like feeling in your body. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does my body feel is how I can tune into what my vibration is. Yeah, I just, I think like when I'm trying to like translate the idea to other people, they might be like, well, I don't know how that feels in my body. Or like, I hear that for you, it feels like that. I said, well, I wonder what that, you know. Um, well, you know what, this, I just think it'd be cool to play the other song called We Are Truth, but I, I just want to, I'm going to play the Ram Dass sample from it, but I'm just going to improvise something around it. But because what he says is related, right? So let's let's give that a shot, see what happens.
love one another. It's easy as a soul to love everybody. Well, that's what he said. <laughs> that it's easy? Different music, yeah. I mean, that's a little more, like, I guess he gets into some bigger... Bigger picture stuff there. Satsang, in case you don't know, because he says it a few times, we're all satsang. Satsang is a spiritual community. So we're all a community of spirits, spiritual beings who are seeking to know truth. And we're trying to figure that out together, is what satsang is. Yeah. So, I mean, how does that deepen the this, this song before and the ideas before for you? You know, telling the truth and the idea of being truth, like literally. <laughs> I think going to what Radha said about being in your body, you know, truth is where it resonates or where, where you feel it. And being here in this land, in this space, in this energy of Boulder, um, all of that kind of goes away, like all the outside. And you feel in that space and the mind quiets. And in that you kind of hear a little bit of truth, but you also hear the mind. Mm-hmm. So there's this back and forth happening. The body doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. And so how do you feel in nature, you know, if it's hard to feel into the body, find that thing that you connect to, and that grace that's present there, and how does that feel? In that way, knowing truth. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Does it go a little bit deeper with that song? The idea of truth... So I had an experience while just listening where he says the soul is the truth. The soul is who you are. But in my mind, I heard song. The song is who you are. And I don't know. I've had this experience before where you're listening to music or you're listening to um, nature and something is deeply felt. There's an underlying vibration, of a, a knowing, a truth that is felt and not spoken. And so I, I dropped into that idea of the feeling you get when you hear a song, when you hear what the expression of the song that, that feeds and feels like truth for you is a kind of a clue into your, your truth. Right. Truth with a capital T is a, is a direct experience. It's not something I've heard about and so I'm ingesting or somebody's told me or I'm projecting or I think it's something I'm feeling and I felt it. And then it's then you can't um, argue with it. And you say that you want to give felt experiences of truth through your ceremony. Well, that's what I like about music and like you're saying, or you like the sounds of nature, what have you, because you have your own experience with it and that's not something you can argue with. Right, individually, like your felt experience is your felt experience. And that's really powerful because it's not an idea that's coming down on top of you or something you even have to understand. It's unique to yourself. And on, on that level, that's a kind of truth. 
And that's one thing I like about music is that we all respond emotionally to music uh, pretty much at the same level in a sense. And we are all these different backgrounds with what music means and even understanding it or not, but we still are on equal footing on how it resonates with us emotionally. Like it triggers us. Uh, it's like, like a natural connection. And it creates your own honest experience with that, which is important to me. I think that's really, really a powerful thing. Maybe that's why people like music in general. Yeah, it can get you out of your head for sure. He's, into your body, yeah. He says it in the beginning too. His first line in the song is something like, the universe is a manifestation of the one. Boom. That's like mic drop right there. Like that Sounds is like Gandalf. That is. I've the, always loved that phrase. <laughs> that, is, like, that is the, the truth. He's saying it. And then he's breaking it down. Of the one. <laughs> and then we are truth, meaning the truth is the universe is a manifestation of the one. And we are that. So we are a manifestation of the one. And if we're all one, we're all souls, we just have to remove the things in our minds and our perceptual experience that aren't allowing us to feel ourselves as one. Because we don't feel whole inside and then we don't feel like we belong on this planet or what are we doing here? We don't feel connected in community and we have disruption in our relationships. And so healing all of those avenues, self, earth, relationship, community, God, soul, source, all of it leads to the same pathway of the one, which is the truth. Yes. Fingertips. And that's all metaphor. Yes. <laughs> and these are all words representing something else. Um, yeah. Let's, um, yeah, please. I'd love to hear yeah, from more ahead. voices. Anything. <laughs> this is Courtney. Um, I was just thinking about how I feel like our society today often pushes us away from this truth and this presence. And it reminds me of this quote, um, basically about the idea of like, we're going to be pulled in all these different directions and we have to each day or each moment come back to this place and say, no, this I'm putting my hand on my heart for the people who can't see. Um, like, this is what's important. This is my truth. And this is what I have to drop into in order to come back to myself and my soul. Um, because I think our, our society is just feeding our ego, feeding our pain body and it becomes really hard to break out of that. Or fighting for your consciousness, mm -hmm. for your attention. Mm -hmm. And your attention is your currency mm -hmm. and it's getting pulled all different kinds of places. So when you put your hand on your heart and you say, I'm returning to this, it's like I'm bringing everything right back here, mm -hmm. like to grounds, to center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's why we're drawn to places like this where we are so disconnected from modern society because it does just serve to drop us into that mindset and and mind space but then by allowing us to get to that mind space then we can let go of the mind i think that's why they call it practice right because it's something it's a process we're going through all like all the time it's like waking life and i totally get what you're saying because coming out here for me even like uh, spending time here in this town to have a place to call home the real gift of it obviously is not the driving four hours from Salt Lake, it's, you know, it's inconvenient. But I find that it nourishes me on a certain level, especially from like being out and touring and you're out there in the, in the world and some pretty hectic places 
And it's like trying to balance that uh, with something where the nature here is so in my face. Like I'm not really the top dog. Like today when we were walking the wind, right? We're like, oh, wow, okay, this could get bigger. You know, what does that mean? Um, I need to protect certain you know, aspects of my body and I need to look around. What's the weather looking like? That's like every day out here or like the wildlife out here is in charge a lot more than I am. And certainly the weather and nature is more than me. And that's annoying, but it also brings a level of humbleness and it helps just kind of bring me down to earth and be like, okay, I don't control everything. And when you think you control everything, you think that brings a level of peace, but actually brings a lot of anxiety because then now I have to control everything, or at least think I do. And inevitably everything's shifting and changing. And then you're thinking like it's your fault in a way. And so it's just, it's just like being out in nature is a reminder. And it's a reminder too that we are nature, like literally. We are the same thing made of the same constituent parts, which if we just happen to walk around and talk, we are nature manifest. And when we, we breaks down that level of separation. And the separation is what's so painful. And you're right, like day-to-day life, especially like advertisements, all that stuff is to remind you that you're an individual has purchasing power and like everything on social media and most sites are designed, how long can they keep you on the site? Even if they have to addict you with, you know, with brain tricks, that's fine because that's, that's how they, uh, that's how they, uh, monetize it is how long they keep you on the site. So there's a, the entire world right now in this globalized digitized space is fighting for you and your mind. And the only person who can decide how you're going to work, walk through this walk, because this is a new path, uh, is, is each of us as individuals kind of figure out what works for each of us. And so I think it's what's being called of us is almost like each of us becoming our own church and it's like, what's the church of Courtney? And that's up to you. It's, it doesn't really work anymore to say, follow these 10 this or 10 that. <laughs> and, and even like the 10 laws, that's just like, look, that's just what he says. He's like, that's just what works for me. You got it. These are immutable and changeable. What works for you? And that goes back to that, that element of choice. This whole weekend, we've been talking about choice and the power of we can choose all sorts of things. And you might say like, well, what's the point? You know, the world's doing all these things. And I'm like, because that's sort of the empowering part. It's like, but that's the other half of the equation. You, you need to choose, even though you might not think you're controlling all the things around you, where you want to point that ship is really important. And, and part of that is where you want to point your mind, where we want to point our time. And I deal with this as much as anybody. Uh, you know, the phone... <sighs> iPhone's been around around 10 years, right? Um, It's completely revolutionized the world. And uh, someone here, who is from New York City here? Or who is it? Yeah. You know, when I was living there, I I was there before the iPhone and after the iPhone. And it was, it really went from like everyone reading books or staring around or maybe talking to people or their friends uh, to 95% of the people with earbuds and looking down on the subway Um, and the street. So no one's even like listening to the world around them. And God knows what it's doing to our bodies and our brains and all these other things. We're just figuring out as we go along. So we are the guinea pigs and the test subjects for this global uh, iPhone revolution. (laughs) 
I use that as like a metaphor for the larger thing going on, but it really is largely about the iPhone. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's kind of unbelievable, like the type transformation one device has done to the planet. And not, I'm not just saying it's all bad. Like it's also like we're kind of becoming uh, cyborgs, and this is the first iteration of that. It's kind of clunky. We have this thing we have to look at it, and eventually it will probably be something else. But it's an early precursor, and we're like the early explorers who are the, they might look back and be like, did they just blindly do it or did they try to figure out how do we bring more grace into this? Uh, because that's unknown. So there's no real right or wrong. It's like, who, what works for you? Or, oh, great, give me a tip. Oh, it works, you know, we're all kind of doing it. I think like retreats like this is part of that, but we want it to be something that isn't going in and out, in and out, that it's sort of like, how do we bring something back into all of my life. So it's just one flowy dance and I don't have to feel like I'm on, I'm off. I'm on, you know, I have to, I have to, I get spent, I recover. And that happens and it cycles and waves. It's and a goal, okay. I guess, for me at least that um, I don't want to, I mean, the idea of vacation, right? I don't want to feel like there is such a thing. Like all our life is like, I, I don't want to have to escape my life. <laughs> but I want to travel because I like to travel or something or for, it's for work or what have you. Yeah. yeah. That was a long rant. Something you said made me think of the Trevor Hall song about um, my love is just a reminder. Find your oh, center. Yeah. That's when he remixed. That remix yeah, too. Yeah. So good. I wish yeah. I could, well, it's not technically my song. I'd play it, but um, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's true. Love is yeah, a reminder. I think, yeah, I think coming here, coming to a place where we're all, the the point is to come here and experience love. We are all just reminded and that helps us to find our center and to further that journey into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you speak to this too, this idea that remembering happens and forgetting isn't actually... Um, Forgetting is actually built into the program of the human experience. And so it's not a fault that we forget. It's a design. It's a conscious design that we forget so that we can have the joy of remembering. The whole game is the act of remembering. And then you remember and you're like, oh, and that everything aligns. And then for me, it feels like a spiral. Like you get to that center point when you remember and then slowly forget again. And like the things start to fly off and the symbols and the whatever. And then you're in the not knowing. And then the whole process is remembering again. And that's okay. And that's good. And that's the way it was designed or else it wouldn't be that way. Yeah. And all, all new information is constantly shifting our memory. Like our memory is constantly being... Mm transformed and changed by our new experiences. Mm-hmm. It's a trip. Yeah. <laughs> it's super far out. Um, let's do one more. I'm going to do uh, nature because I feel like it makes sense given what we're talking about. This is nature. Grasses, water, sun, stars, 
nature. We are the trees and the clouds and the waters. When you hug a tree, you're hugging yourself. We are human beings. Human beings are part of nature. That was the first one I asked him about, or first question I asked him. It's about how can we use nature as an antidote to our feelings of separation. And he was looking out, he was, we were in his study, and he was looking out on the ocean and the north shore of Maui, and the wind was coming through the, the windows, and the birds were out there. It was hot. We were sweating a bit. Me a lot. And that's what he said, like right there. That was the way he said it and the order he said it in. So anything else anyone would like to share in response to that? Or any, or also just anything else coming up this weekend, especially those we haven't heard from, just a few words or what this, uh, what's, what the retreat's been kind of juju it's been bringing up or challenges too, is cool too. Seeing ourselves in the reflection of nature. Christine? There's so much to share. Um, I guess I'll just speak to the hike today um, in being in nature um, and feeling the wind and feeling cleared by the wind and purified by it and seeing all of the colors, the richness of our lives and taking the time. It's that unplugging from everything we're plugged into, which is a lot of things. <laughs> I'm plugged into a lot of things um, in life. And so to step away to ground really deeply so that then the creative energy can flow. Almost I see myself grounding and going rooted and like all the branches and the leaves like moving in flow as um, these ideas for creation and sharing um, with my community and with my, well, deeper relationships, but then my community and out into the world. And so I think by coming in, I love the idea of spirit dive um, and the way it's been structured into really looking at how we hold on to things, the release, the witnessing, that, that we are love. 
And that whole idea of just loving everything so that we can love ourselves fully. So it's been really a deep dive, and I've just really loved it. Yeah, a lot of being out here, too, is just about being here, right? I mean, it's not that complicated. Uh, it's just taking a break and, and saying, let's go somewhere where we can witness one another and, and, and really be present and get uh, reconnected to all that is that is us. And that's easier to do in a place like this where it's uh, some pretty raw nature. I think, too, again, of the aspect of the satsang of the community and that in these retreats we have that opportunity it's what we're creating we're creating a satsang every time we do a spirit dive and every time we have a retreat and all most people you know you all came here the ones for the first time and you have certainly kind of had not really an idea of what it would actually be but you many said in the opening circle like I knew just I wanted to come but it's more like I felt like I wanted to come like there was something in my body or my soul that was just a yes that I was resonating with that brought me here and and then you showed up and you came and it's not easy to create the time and the space and the investment energetically and in all the other ways and so I just feel immense gratitude for the satsang that shows up and the ways that we're able to witness and reflect to each other. And I feel like it's a group with a high level of integrity also and um, just sweetness and love throughout. And I appreciate that so much that we're all able to hold space for each other to be in our processes and kind of weave in and out of it um, in the different ways that we do. And it's all good and it's all okay. It feels like a very non-judgmental environment to be in. Yeah, Courtney. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And just something that came up as you were talking about the hike and the song, um, the idea of nature being this mirror of ourselves, like we are nature. And I think a lot of times we don't necessarily think of that when we are in beautiful places. We look out and we say, wow, that is so amazing. That's so beautiful. Look at what has has happened here like what a beautiful sight and I just wonder what it would be like if we turned that around on ourselves and looked inward and had that same like sense of awe that that is also the beauty that's inside of us in the moment you're feeling it in the moment you're feeling amazement oh my gosh that's so amazing could you then say, and I'm so amazing. And then your smile gets even bigger. And in the song too, it's, we are nature. Nature is God. God is love. All of those things are like connected. We are nature. Nature is God. God is love. We are God. We are love. Nature is God. It's not somewhere else. It's not somewhere else that you're, we're going to get to eventually. It's like right here in front of our face. Mm-hmm. And here it's really here. <laughs> yeah. So I've also found myself um, on hikes, particularly yesterday being near trees that were a thousand or more years old and thinking of really what a a short time we are here. I've thought of all the tribal ancestors that were here thousands of years before we were. 
And so it's kind of a time to really look at your ego and think, yes, <laughs> I can have an effect here, but I'm a small, small part of these things that have been here for thousands of years. The, st the stars are magnificent here, the rocks that have been here for so long, and, and particularly going on our hike and hearing about the tribal people, the Native Americans who have lived here so long before us. And I think sometimes we are filled with a lot of self-importance <laughs> and nature also, you can get that perspective of, of the grandeur of nature and the, how long it's been here and our little speck of time here. And I think we need to think of, you know, what can we do in our, really it is a speck of time. That's why protecting these lands is so important. Um, how places that are still wild is a reflection of that core wilderness inside us. And without them, you don't have that reflection anymore. So that's really important that we keep spaces that can just be as they are and not sully them. It's like, this is just wild land. It does its thing and we let it do its thing. We can go in there and have as little impact as possible so that we can be in the real thing. And uh, a lot of people haven't experienced that. I remember when I reconnected to that as an adult going into the Adirondacks, that was the first time I was like, oh, this is wilderness. That's what it is. This is a space that does its thing. And I was coming from New York City and it really fired me up to want to come to places like basically this, where it's just like a really big area of purity. Mm -hmm. And that humbling aspect too that you're speaking to, Liz, our guide Coulter, when we were on the hike, he said, there were tribes here for a thousand years. The tribes lived here. We've been here for like 300 years. So open your and mind here, to that. even less. Like yeah, maybe exactly. Maybe 100, yeah. And it gives you this incredible sense of like you're speaking to like, I, this is tiny. I'm actually tiny. <laughs> but important. Yes. And that's the thing about when, as an indi when you get into this individualism mindset, you're like, I'm unimportant. But it's like, I would argue we're all critically important. And I feel in my heart that even the, the, the thoughts I have are important. And I know on a scientific level, that sounds absurd, but I believe it to be true. Yes, yeah. And, I, and that's like, again, going with the truth. There's a truth in that for me that is about a feeling, a felt experience. And that like these things and the choices I make matter. And that's why we go back to the power of the choices we are able to make, which is many, and putting that hand back on the wheel because... I feel like it really matters. And it's just something about the destiny we have as a people and as a planet is tied into our choice. And there is a paradox there of destiny and choice, but that is the mystery. That And that is our path. It's to say it's important, but you have a destiny. <laughs> and it's not important. And it's important. And it's not important. It's both. And I love you. And good night. <laughs> All right. <laughs>